you coming back in here with dusty jerseys. I want to see you coming back in here with bloodstained jerseys now. Look at anybody go and sit and have a pint with those boys after that. And the referee is looking around and acting as Mickey. Tell the children to play tennis or something. If they want to play tennis, go and play tennis. What is the crack? Welcome to the Three Man Weave, the Rolls of the EGA podcast, our preview of the All-Ireland Final. Lads, we're all excited in here. Um, I know one man who certainly is. Mr Mick McCarthy, how are we doing? Excited, Mars. Two days before an All-Ireland Hurling Final. It's as good as it gets, really, you know. I've been hearing a lot about referees from Mead and slash Dublin and Kerry people having a problem with it. I've been hearing a lot about uh, uh, Alexis Sanchez randomly today and a few other things. And I haven't been hearing enough about Seamus Callan and TJ Reid. So we're going to change that today. And Gary Connington. Gary, welcome back. I'm back, Mars. I'm here, back in the three-man weave, the third man in the weave. <laughs> yeah. no, you wouldn't get as much... Would you get as much three-man weaves in hurling? I never did a three-man weave drill, really, in hurling. I did. We did it all the time in football, but yeah. it, was, it probably isn't as transferable. I did declare it at the time when Mark decided this was the name of the podcast, that we were very much declaring as a Gaelic football <laughs> podcast. But, you know, I think... I think me and you have both done enough over the course of the last few months to stem that tide. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before we get Gary, into by the way, last time he was on, he I think defended his title in yeah. the guest of handicaps, and he was taken over a little bit too much. We couldn't get rid of him, so we just decided to freeze him out. Really, I'm the lineal champ. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what happened? Right, Mark was supposed to be here to referee, but before that, a complaint was lodged by somebody from Clare, not saying Mick orchestrated this campaign. But somebody from Clara sends us an email to say that a cabin man can't pass referee a subject that he knows nothing about. And in this case, we actually agreed, fair enough. And that's why you're here, Gary, a Westmead man, rising Westmead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Generous. Of course, home of not, not many hurlers who play on All-Ireland Final Day, but regular referees on All-Ireland Hurling Final Day. Yeah, Barry Kelly and James McGrath, probably the closest any Westmead man is going to get to a final. Well, the closest they have got to an All-Ireland Final ever, and probably the closest we will get for another while, unfortunately. But. <laughs> I don't know. Before, Things are looking up. Before yeah. we get into the game, lads, I want to tell you, uh, I want to read you out a quote, a Brian Cody quote. So we hear all about the demands on intercounty players. We hear all about Bernard, the huge pressure. We've never seen the likes of it in this social media age on players and heading into Sunday. And this is what Brian Cody thinks of it all. I hear a lot about pressure and stress in this t- whole thing. Pressure and stress, if it's like that and if you feel stressed or under pressure, then you shouldn't be doing it. Seriously, <laughs> why would you put that on yourself? I just love what I'm doing. I could dress it up for you and put all sorts of funny terms on it as to why I do it. But the simple truth is, I love it. <laughs> I think he does love it. I don't I think, think he'd he be does. doing it anymore if he didn't at this stage. Uh, to bring them back again, like we'll talk about it in a few minutes, but to get them back at this stage. Just funny though, you talk about the pressure. I don't know if anyone will have seen, I know you were watching it, Morris, um, the latest episode and the, 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 the new chapters the of the class. game that they put on RTE on, uh, on Wednesday night, I think it was. And like... That captured the pressure of All-Ireland Final Day unbelievably well when they were talking to all these people, showing the B-roll of people running out and, you know, about how much it is really a day of pomp and circumstance and, you know, tradition and all of this kind of stuff. And it's for the fans and everything is there for the 82,000 people that are in Coe Park. But you have to walk out there and warm up for like a half an hour, walk around in this parade, stand for the national anthem, and then go and play the best and biggest hurling game of your life. It's a crazy thing. And actually, like I, I know when you say it, it's, it's, it's self-evident. It's obvious that there's a lot of pressure on. But when you actually saw the guys talking about it and them showing it, it's like 
it's easy for Brian Cody to say, ah, what are you doing? How, how would you feel stressed? I actually don't know how these lads are able to walk when they go out and play in All-Ireland. It's, and even on that, right? Like you mentioned the parade and or whatever before the game. The, it was funny to hear Sean Oak talk about the pressure even on the bus. Like the bus was so full of tension because you were sitting still, which he like he was talking about how, how, how difficult that was before a, a game where you're trying to hit it at a million miles an hour. Just the idea of sitting in this like cocoon. Like it must, like it's a hours and hours long experience of just absolute dread until yeah. finally you get kind of like a seven minute release nearly yeah and even like your Crow Park experience is no good to you like Ken McGrath says you get off you've played in Crow Park loads times you get off the bus and there's like loads of security around the place and everybody is <laughs> acting differently than they normally do and the place is full earlier and all of this you know and it's just like geez, this is just a it's different gravy completely once you're out once you're playing the final both of these teams have a bit of experience in them though yeah yeah um, yeah yes and no John, isn't Adrian Mullen and John Donnelly they'll be fair well Adrian Mullen won a county, uh, club championship here in all Ireland already this year yeah, <laughs> so, slightly different so although maybe, maybe not for the what it means the, to you but yeah. in terms of the atmosphere and the, the circumstances the yeah. day, I think it'll be different yeah. we're getting all to that on this podcast this is our guess the handicast podcast but we only have one handicap to guess so in lieu of that Gary Connington has arrived in and he's devised a quiz mm. to put myself and Mick head to head which we'll go off against each other later. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to chat to Conor McDonald, Wexford hurler Conor McDonald, who's had a, an extremely promising year and a, an unbelievably thoughtful young fella. Um, he's like, probably older than you, is he? he no, he's... <laughs> do you know what's funny, right? Like, the same age. I, yeah, he's, he's the exact same age. And, um, like, it is, I, it's a, such a crushing reality when you realise, like, not only are they obviously way more, like, able than you in terms of sporting-wise, they're also, like, they've way more developed thoughts on the game than you do. Like in reality, they're way more, the level of understanding that modern players have right now is just at a different pain <laughs> to what we can even try and subscribe to. Um, so Connor, there's a load of different things. This interview is going to be going up over the weekend. You keep an eye out for it, but there's like, and there's a load in it really. He like, he's been heavily involved in the prep for um, heavyweight boxer, Niall Kennedy, who's boxing tomorrow night in America. And it's got some really interesting things about the trainer for that. But on Hurling, Mick, um, you won't be surprised to know that Connor can't doesn't even know if he's going to go to the All Ireland final. His best friend is from Tipperary, and he's been at he was there in 2016. But this one is different because of how close they, they came. They should have been there. Yeah, in their heads anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. especially like it's isn't there a weird economy in a situation like that where it's such a huge disappointment? But at the same time, like there is like it's like a catch twenty two. There was a they did have a brilliant year. They did win a Leinster championship. He's had an unbelievably productive year, and yet still there's this just this unbelievable sense of of hurt at the very end of it you know yeah he's on our rolling all-star team he's someone that we've like i mean we had him on before the semi-final and then he went and got 2-1 in the semi-final he's just been that kind of dominant forward figure that we kind of thought that he was going to be ever since wexford got to the under 21 final in 11 i think you know against claire and it's been great to see and he is he's one that's going to be like i think a household name over the next kind of couple of years as wexford if wexford continue this kind of form but I've heard so many people who've been beaten in semi-finals who can't even just go on and watch the final. I know PJ was talking to Patrick Horgan uh, a couple of weeks ago when he won the, the, the player of the month and I don't think he watched the semi-final. He was saying either, you know, like um, these guys just, they live and breathe it. Like, you know, it says, you know, it's more important than anything else in their lives, really, you know, and it's a tough one to watch and just sit there. Imagine sitting there and 82,000 people and you're just going, that should be me. 
Yeah. yeah, that should be me for the whole time. And it's like I, I think I'd sit it out too. You know, there's going to be other All Ireland finals that they're going to be able to watch. This one isn't. It's not going to make or break them. You know. Yeah, it's a bit weird because, like I said, Wexford had such a good year. They won Leinster and probably should be in the All Ireland final. But like the sense of disappointment that they're feeling now would be so much worse than if they had come forth in Leinster and exactly, went yeah. out of the championship. So oh, it's just yeah. weird to like you It'd have more su- match then. Yeah. yeah, you have more success, and yet there's just still more disappointment for you at the end of the year. Yeah, I suppose, and like the final points. And Connor get into this as well. Like whatever about the good thing about speaking to someone like him is that he can also reflect the the top patterns of a modern day hurler, particularly in terms of tactics. Like we'll we'll get into tactics later. There's so many tactics discussions, but you still have a a core like not necessarily who rebel against them, but who might not necessarily understand it. And what Connor does really well, I think, is set up the idea that like tactics don't have to be the most sophisticated things in the world. Like for example, a team deciding not to lump a ball long and deciding to play a ball short is a tactic it's very simple it's straightforward it's something you get across in a five-minute conversation but it's still it's that's it in itself that is a tactic like whatever about how sophisticated you need to get the principle of tactics in any sense has been there for a long time and it will always be there definitely and like the like that's what i was like i've been watching old all Ireland finals between tipperary and kilkenny this week and it's funny how much you could see that the game has changed in the 11 years even like 2011 I was watching it like there's a lot of kind of like when you're under pressure clear the ball but the idea that other than so you, you'd never see that now but that's 5-10% of the game the other 90% is well thought out attacking play and you see especially the way Tipperary under the, the original Liam Sheedy Eamon O'Shea regime the way they were targeting Lark Corbett and different forwards with the way that they played diagonal balls was absolute was probably I would say more detailed than anything that's happening at the moment from these two teams. So like tactics have been always there, like they just have, and you know we can <laughs> we can listen to the the platitudes and the people telling us that they don't. And you know I I would imagine for example in Kilkenny they're not lying to us. They've just been told that they're not tactics while working on the tactics for the game. I, yeah, I yeah. see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. The thing that really pisses me off is that when you get people who say that, like, for, like this weekend's game won't even be a tactical battle. That'll just be the the like the the man on man. Yeah. The, Do you like, not find though that it it's borderline insulting to the sport? Uh, sorry, I've geez, I just realised how much I was echoing uh, Donald yeah, Hogue yeah. there. <laughs> I but it's it's almost like it makes it out to be this simplistic sport of you know hunger and passion, which I think is a huge part of it. But it's, it's not it, all of it, but it, yeah, it, yeah. But it's the idea that like you know, it's because it's such a competitive and brilliantly skillful and fast sport. The idea that you don't need that extra one percent or that extra two percent or that you don't need to figure out how to beat this opposition almost undermines it in a way it almost makes it out to be this kind of you know caveman stuff uh this sort of you know that it, it doesn't require any thought whatsoever it just requires natural skill and ability the test of your manliness to go I out there i, 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 was, I was actually <laughs> going to use the, the word manliness team. a few times you know <laughs> and again i don't the problem is and I think the reason sometimes we do shy away from it is all, is that there's nothing wrong with manliness being a part of it. There's nothing wrong with passion being a part of it. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, like intensity, for want of a better word, you know, the, 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 the overused hurling word. There's nothing wrong with that being a part of a, of, of uh, like an, 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 a swamp of things that go into, you know, a mixing bowl of things that go into what comes out the other side of success, hopefully. But it, more than that, too. 
and it's taught as well and just using your brain is not a sin and i think anything else is just like disrespectful to the game really you you touched off the the lack of what would you call a build-up to this game or lack of certainly the, the like kind of building hype um that's probably one to do with the ga calendar the way that has fallen but secondly to do with the two teams at the center of it yeah. now i know that you spent the week uh the <laughs> too much the week yeah. re- researching this this rivalry and ranking their semi-final clashes um, so if we actually look at that quickly, right? Yeah. You've got at six, I suppose we might start there. Yeah, because there's so, been five finals so far, but six matches, obviously. Yeah, with exactly, the, yeah. with the replay in 2014. So at six, you've gone for the the 2011 game, the Kilkenny uh, 217, Tipperary 116. Um, it's like a measure of like revenge, I suppose, for what happened the, yeah. the, the year before. But as a spectacle, probably not on the same plane as and it was still good in many ways you know like you had the like the only what what kind of worked against it a little bit was that Kilkenny kind of always had a little bit of a cushion now sometimes it was between three and six points nearly all the time when Hogan's goal I think put the maid ahead and tipped very quickly kind of got it back down to what it always was so it was always between three and six but it was just never tip never caught them yeah. So it just lacked that drama. Still a very good hurling match. And it had all that kind of build-up of tip... Get, of, of Like, don't forget, that tip team... And we're not, I don't know if we need to go in as much detail to all of these. Um, but I will do on this one because I want to point out why this is actually a brilliant, brilliant rivalry and we should be excited about this game. Like, Tip had scored seven goals in the Munster final. They'd beaten Dublin in the semi. They weren't amazing that day, but they, you know, they, they won a game against a heavily defensive team on the, to- of the day. They were flying going into that they're all Ireland champions they'd stopped the five in a row and then Kilkenny came out and Brian Cody you know started Eddie Brennan out of nowhere I know you want to talk about that in a while but even just that little thing of that that's a memory that I have without even the specifics of Jesus he's trying something new something different he was playing at wing forward and Kilkenny went out and won the game and kind of just like held off Tipperary and kind of re-established their dominance it was a really important match for the story of this Kilkenny team and the story of hurling this century you know but I suppose what I want to point out is that there's a million things really interesting about that game and when I went back to watch it and it stayed on number six in the list after I kind of watched through all the other five games and that just like the main narrative and the reason I even did this was because when I was talking to I think it was Mark about it earlier in the week about the lack of build-up was like I know nobody wants them back in there. I know we want Limerick and Galway and we want Waterford to make the breakthrough and we want Clare back Wexford. in it. And Wexford, fine. Like they're, they're the next team. They're the team everybody wants to, Wexford or Waterford, you know. But now that they're here, they've never let us down. They've had some of the best matches in history. I've gone through six All-Ireland finals there. If you want to add in the game they had in Thurles in 20, or in Nolan Park in 2013, you want to add in, they had a terrible All-Ireland semi-final in 2012, but actually about four league finals that might be three, four of the best matches you've ever seen in your life as well. If you even, I didn't even delve into that. They just have a connection. There's something about the way the two teams go out to play each other that it's a brilliant clash. You always say styles make fights. This is consistently one of the best clashes you'll ever have for just a spectacle you know um and then the number one on the list without going through them all uh the 2014 all-ireland uh the first game the one that was a draw that was decided by hawkeye as people always say um was probably the the best example of that that was the just absolutely insane nine wides over the whole course of an all-ireland final 54 scores and probably the best exhibition of hurling you've ever seen by two teams just at their absolute height. Yeah, I, th- th- that game, like historically, the 2011 game is interesting just as a as a kind of starting point because I think that 
like we talk about tactically i think the what cody learned from what game before there was most telling you mentioned uh eddie brennan coming in for tj and going after maher on the wing he did the exact same thing when jackie terrell followed like orbert everywhere he went into that in his book the work mcdemsey had done with him before that and so that like that was a learning from what had come before and developing that to i think that it was a really good insight into how cody managed to stay ahead or as at the top for as long as he does the 2014 game though is probably that's probably the genesis of these like incredible shootouts that we've kind of become accustomed to particularly after last year but like it's that game the draw game now for people who don't realize there was 20 different scores from play that mm. day like it was one of the most remarkable in terms of what it brought and what it came after it like yeah. it was it was the genesis of the what has become like we i think last year really ramped it up again yeah but in terms of these like classic shootouts that we've become so accustomed to that was the like for me anyway that was nearly the starting point to what would come after i guess yeah and tip i think what the tip scored 129 to draw the game and i'm pretty sure they scored four frees so they got 125 from play which is just an unbelievable amount in, in a match right the other part about that is uh <laughs> the, so there's a there's a part of me that was watching the 2014 game going yeah, but were they naive? Should there have been more free? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that the best way to play it when both teams are able to kind of do what they want? Now, it's exceptional skill to be able to do it. But if you watch what the answer to that was, was actually the replay of that year. And I think I only have it number four on the list, and that just shows you how good it is. And Kilkenny won it by a goal. And again, there was that little bit. The problem was that it never got too close. It never really got to be like a draw, you know, late in the game or anything like that. But if you watch, actually, just I would just recommend to anyone that's on YouTube, just watch 10 minutes of that, 10 minutes in the first half, right? I've never, ever seen anything like the defending and the like long, like kind of five-minute passages of play that are just full of blocks and hooking and, and no freeze. That's the thing. So that is the other side of it, is that you can you don't necessarily have to be cynical to defend better. You could just up the again i'm going to use the i word it yeah. is up in the intensity but it's done in a skillful and tactical way as well because they knew what they were targeting but the defending that stepped up so much in the three weeks before like the the standard of the game didn't go down it didn't get messier it didn't get scrappier and the forwards didn't lose their shooting boots but also what happened was the 12 backs and the midfielders and even the defending from the front um as both teams did as well just stepped up a hundred knots you know yeah and suddenly you just had this very different game that was just again i just recommend to anyone to watch it it had like four or five minute passages of play that were just full of blocks and hooks and brilliant bits of skill to get possession back and so on and so forth we move on to the game itself on sunday um before we do actually the like this it pits the, here's a remarkable stat lads in cody's 20 years at the helm no other manager has won two All-Irelands. So you've got a couple of men this season particularly who were on one apiece. That was Liam Sheedy, Davy Fitz and Michael Donoghue. Of those three, now one has a chance to pass them out, Liam Sheedy. So it like they're, and beyond that. Like, and, he, actually, and it was nine years ago when he won. Yeah, and he, like, I, I, I think these are two. The, <laughs> it's incredible. And these are the, they are, like, I don't think it's it's too much of a stretch to say. People might be in hindsight now if Cody wins, you might think of it in the same way. But for me, these are the two managers who've actually. Oh, John def- Allen took over from Donald O'Grady. I, was, I thought you had that wrong with Cork, <laughs> and then, sorry, there was a lot going on in my head there as you were talking. <laughs> Apologies, listeners. Um, I think they're two managers who've nearly defined an era in terms of, like, you think about those of those managers that I read out there, the other two who could possibly do it, Michal Donahue 
was involved with Tipperary actually worked with both of Sheedy's lieutenants in um, in Eamon O'Shea. He was on that ticket as well before he went to Galway. David Fitzgerald in his book talked about going to the 2010 All-Ireland Final and asking for a ticket behind the dugout for the explicit reason that he could watch Brian Cody, that he was trying to learn from Brian Cody. So the you talk, you think about the potential, those challenge, that, that figure I mentioned there of managers who could have won a second All-Ireland, the amount of times when it's Cody who puts them away. Like Cody, to I think all of us that year might have, if we were pushed, said John Kiley would win a second All-Ireland this year. It was Cody who put him away. He, he is a re- relentless... When Cork were... Cork rising in, in the early 90s, it was uh, Cody who put them away. You talk about the managers, what he has spawned. So it's funny, Mick, you mentioned the 2011 game and I just looked through it quickly. Of those, you look at Tipperary and I mean, very, very few of them, almost a remarkably few of them, have gone on to manage. They've gone on to become coaches after working under on, on that team. So you look at, like Brendan Cummins has dabbled, he was involved in Kerry this year. Um, who else? Paddy Stapleton, no, he's been involved in media. Park Myers, obviously there. Shane McGrath, media. Uh, Seamus Cannon is obviously there. Owen Kelly, no, not really. Media. Larry Corbett, media. You look at Kilkenny. David Hardy, managing Fitzgibbon. Uh, Jackie Terrell, no. Um, Brian Hogan, yes. JJ Delaney, also managing Fitzgibbon. Michael Fenley, involved in, uh, in Kildare. Eddie Brennan, involved in Leash. Henry Shefflin, just won in All-Ireland. The, in terms of what he has spawned from, like his influence as Brian Cody, I'm talking about here, is widespread. Like you talk about managers, he's going to deal with these managers. Remember the story we... Um, Dennis Walsh had in Sunday Times recently but when Eddie Brennan first started managing the Kenny Under-21s lost Westmead and it was Cody who rang him the next day and Cody was on the phone to tell him you've too many soft hurlers in that team it was like his influence on not just on the game yeah. on managers has been widespread and I think the little margin outside of that has been encompassed by Sheedy and what he has brought in terms of he set a template like when you think about Sheedy was the man who introduced GA Spirit to Caroline Kurt, who went on to work with Dublin and Limerick last year. Like his, again, he's talking about his lieutenants, Eamon O'Shea, what he went on to do, obviously spawning somebody like Michal Donoghue. Like their influence on this, on this century has been seismic. Yeah, there's kind of a little bit, a little bit of a narrative around this week that there's kind of Cody versus Cody Light in a sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like you're saying about Sheedy being like trying to model himself after Cody. They're definitely, they are the two now, even with what Limerick have done. I think they're still the two names now in Ireland, like in for management. Liam Sh- Sorry, I just want to like the the cult of Liam Sheedy is a very very interesting one to me because when he was there in like it was oh eight nine and ten I think you know and he kind of brought Tip from sort of nowhere. If you think of Tip in oh seven with the Babs sort of fiasco and the three games against Limerick, and then they came, they won Munster in two thousand and eight, lost to Waterford in the semi final in two thousand and nine one monster again fairly handily like absolutely made shit of Limerick in the All-Ireland semi-final scored six goals won by 24 points I think and then like you know robbed is too strong a word but lost a classic 2009 final one of the ones we didn't mention in the list there you know I think it was number two um, and then went and won the year after you know but in about all of that time so he built Tip up into this he made them believe in themselves you know all of this but also Eamon O'Shea was the one getting credit for all the coaching you know Sheedy was gone after that you know so we're talking about that he's back this year eight years eight championships that Tip had without him and he was on TV, fine, but I felt that they never, it was like, it's like kind of daily with Claire, you know, since he's been gone, like Claire won All-Ireland and all, but there's all this still waiting for Daly to come back. Yeah, yeah. I felt, I felt it was like that with Sheedy, he just had that, that presence that was obviously for just three brilliant years, don't, like, don't get me wrong, you win All-Ireland, you step off, you're always going to have people wanting you to come back, but, um, 
I just think he has a, an aura with the players that might just be unmatched. You know what I mean? He just has a certain way about him that kind of brings lads to him. And if you look at Tip, what did we hear out of Tip for the last two or three years since they won the All Ireland in 2016? Very, very talented bunch of players. Arguably the most talented in the country. I think most people would agree with that. But all we heard was infighting, rumours, a lot of which were nonsense. There was always stories, discipline, disciplinary action, different things. Just lads just kind of going off in their own way. And it's not nothing to say against Michael Ryan, but they've uh, you haven't heard one thing this year yeah, and since Sheedy's been back. And I think that says an awful lot, you know. And it could even be just their belief in him rather than anything he's doing. But I think it says a huge amount. And not to take away from, like, uh, there's obviously a lot else. But I spoke to Paddy Caldwell for a piece that's going up on... Um, It'll be up on Sunday about managers and he's obviously been involved with the Tipperary under-20s and Tipperary seniors this year and he said the work that Sheedy has done, Sheedy himself has done in terms of uniting them all has been incredible. So to the extent where he would organise training so that they all, all the Tipperary seniors would be able to go and watch the Tipperary under-20s. He was organising buses so that they go to the games on their way like to, to ensure that there's this unity and that makes me think, right, like when I heard, what, especially what Paddy was telling me, Sheedy's not just focused on this year. Like they, we've all talked about, why didn't he embed? Like I remember earlier in the championship, why isn't Jake Morris playing more? Why isn't he using this the, the remarkable team that won in Ireland last year? Like he's building this. They're, just because you're not seeing them this year doesn't mean that they're not coming. Like mm. it doesn't mean that he's not focused on that as well. Yeah. Um, like which is what team have always done that very successfully <laughs> over the <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, I think I think I might I think they might be playing them this weekend. You know, <laughs> Sheedy was away from it for so long as well that he's been able to look at what's going on in Tipperary and seeing like what the problems that need to be solved. Yeah. Like what Mick was saying, he haven't heard any of the same issues that have been revolving around that panel for the last few years. And you saw the passion of him after they won the semi-final and what it meant. Like, he's been waiting for this for, for years, waiting to get back in to bring Tipperary to an All-Ireland final. That's a really great point, because the, the, the one about him being away. Because you don't, it's very hard, if you're in the bubble, it's very hard to diagnose what's the problem. But also, he is, he's close enough to it that he's able to pop in. He's got the reputation that he doesn't need to win people over or anything like that. But he's coming in with a fresh view, realising, right, this needs to change, that needs to change, so on and so forth. Very few people would have that opportunity, actually. it's ma- like I think that is, you're right, that's a massive deal. And I wonder, this is where he deviates from what Brian Cody did. He walked away, but was involved in other teams. Like, the Antrim Hurlers were particularly fond of him and the work he did up there. Like, I wonder to what extent did that... Has he... Has Liam Sheedy, Allardyne winning manager Liam Sheedy, improved as a manager by that series away? Because if he has, we should all be worried. <laughs> The match itself, lads, right, we'll get into that. Um, first off, I think the, it's interesting to see the players themselves, like the actual players who are going, kind of not going necessarily, like literally head-to-head, but in certain ways they are. Like I think, depending on who wins this game, TJ Reid and Seamus Cannon are basically in a shootout for player of the year here. You, like There's other players outside of them, maybe um, Noel McGrath. Noel um, McGrath's next. If Noel McGrath goes and has a, a game like he had in the semi-final and I think there's a general love for Noel McGrath out there and I think if Michael Dygan's doing the commentary everyone watching the game will hear it a lot as well but uh, you'd have to imagine it's between those two alright yeah if they, if they play to their potential the other one is getting into matchups Brendan Maher so this season it's in, uh, uh, as anybody who has seen my Twitter feed recently I've become an obsession with who has marked who so in football sense I was obsessed with who Thomas Sullivan had marked and who he'd kept scoreless Brendan Maher this year lads has done a job on Austin Gleeson Tony Kelly and now Rory O'Connor and he's going out to do the same thing to we would, would think to TJ Reid like he's become and uh, what I think this is quite a, remarkable is that 
like Brendan Maher is a brilliant hurler. Mm. I'm talking like a literal hurler. Like the the player who becomes the the man marker dedicated to nothing but the. I'm not taking away from anything that you know Stephen McDonald or Matt Johanlon has done this year, but I think Maher could have played at a higher level. Like Maher could have played in, uh, and has played in midfield for Tipperary, but he's developed yeah, yeah. to become this player who's gonna. I think if if we get into the matchups, I think Maher is gonna take TJ Reid. Um, I think that and he'll follow him wherever he goes the same way that uh, Limerick didn't do and should have done I think we've learned that like the, I don't think there's any way Mick possibly that a team won't dedicate somebody onto TJ Reid again after what we saw like we actually said it before the Limerick game to be honest not to, not to pass it back too much but we yeah, did John say John Kiley <laughs> why don't you listen to those <laughs> <laughs> you blo- all Ireland winning manager <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you know um, elsewhere I think Q Lawler would probably take Seamus Callanan um, like yeah, like because in fairness, that's because you know for all his matchup, you know preparation aside, Cody will put the full back on the full forward. Like he just will. He'll trust them. He won't be there otherwise. And Hugh Lawler's had a good year. He can be caught. You know, it would. It, it's something that I would like to see some cover for, but I don't think that's going to happen either. And it could be, but I do think that will be the matchup. I think that uh, on these matchups, I think Connor Brown is going to do what he did to Keane Lynch and follow McGrath everywhere as well. So I think that for whatever they try to do to TJ, I think Brown will do similar to No McGrath. I think he'll follow. I think you have to. I think that when a player like that is as as prolific as he is, that you can kind of cancel him out. That means that depending on who takes Breen, we don't know if um, if Killian Buckley is going to start, but he might drop off and allow him a bit more leeway. We think on the other side then. I think that Ronan Maher will take Colin Fenley. This is what I'm predicting. Try and mind the house there. And then they'll try and get Podrick Maher to drop off and try and mind the the way they have used these Mahers to mind the D. So if Maher's on Fenley, the, uh, Brendan Maher is on TJ Reid, the other Maher tries to drop off into that, that D space. But what, what that opens the door for, remember we talked about the 2011 example, what that opens the door for is that TJ Reid actually doesn't roam as much as he did and pushes up on Ronan Maher at the edge of the D and then suddenly you've got both Mahers occupied by one player in that one small area and they start to be able to play around them. So you got, say for example, if, um, uh, if Maher does drop off and starts protecting the D, that leaves one of Adrian Mullen or John Donnelly free. Now, Adrian Mullen has been prolific. I think he's looks like a cert for Young Player of the Year. It was interesting, like, John Donnelly in the first half pick against Limerick, some of his shooting was a bit wild, yeah. I think we would have said. But uh, Kyle Hayes didn't interview the Irish Examiner this morning, and when he was asked for the wrist, wristy hurlers, we love wrist hurlers in this show, and he gave the classic examples, like he gave Bubbles and a couple of Limerick lads, but the other one he said was John Donnelly. He said John Donnelly underage was prolific and can finish from anywhere, which makes you think that if he was given a bit more leeway, as he might be here, that he could end up costing Tipperary more than they necessarily realise yeah. if, if they decide to drop off there as well which makes me wonder like are like is the are both backlines a bit more suspect than people might realise like say for example if Seamus Cannon decides to roam Hugh Lawler says he's on the wing right for example if Joey Holden comes out from the corner and he suddenly finds himself a centre forward we talked about you have to tag these rotating Tipperary forwards like, or do they try and pass them off in which case things can get lost especially in another semi-final but I, I'm thinking about like if say if Fogarty's going to be on O'Mara and then suddenly O'Mara's on, on the inside the edge of the D and Hugh Lawler's around the middle of the park and Joey Holden is on the wing yeah like, it won't be O'Mara but it could be like they could put like you know you've got bubbles could go inside as well and that's you know and Park Watch try and drop the off thing. there yeah, yeah exactly so you don't know what's going to happen there you also have to think about John McGrath he hasn't had a good year 
but he could just burst into life. And if that's something that, you know, I think I think what you're saying is maybe they're maybe they're suspect might not even be the right word, but I do think that both teams are going to have to make a decision. You know, the Bill Belichick thing. I'm going to take out your best player, right? And you know, I think that they have to worry about Callanan and they have to worry about TJ. And that's and then I think you go next. You probably go Bit next Bubbles yeah. and next Colin Fenley. You know, so what does that leave you with, right? Then are you going to have to say, right? You've got John Donnellan, we've got Richie Hogan. One of them's playing his first ever All Ireland final. The other guy's playing his like eighth or ninth, right? Maybe we worry about Hogan more. And it, what it ultimately comes down to then is the leftover guys. How are they going to perform? And there's, a, I have a sneaky suspicion that like. Tipperary have the experience there and they have the under-day firepower that Kilkenny probably don't have. So while Donald might be the guy for the future, I just wouldn't trust somebody in their first All-Ireland final to go and do it, you know? Um, even if he has that space. I hope he does. I'd love to see it. That's where stars are born, you know? But would I trust John McGrath to suddenly find a little bit of form if he's given a bit of a space? Would you trust Bubbles to go and do it? You know? That's kind of what I think is that Tip might just have that when you know again doing the hierarchy i think you go tipper a lot deeper yeah have we been here before with kilkenny I, there's I, nobody I, writing I, off kilkenny <laughs> here, Gary. no but you go through it and it seems to me every time you go through player by player and then you're there and you're like well tipperary have this better cork had better players yeah. you know and then at the end of the 70 minutes kilkenny win and we're like how did that happen we'll never pick against brian cody again you know <laughs> Well, that's the most important thing for me. That's why, like, that's the the thing for me that is baffling to me with Kilkenny because we sat in here after the Galway, um, after Galway beat them, and Kilkenny stayed in that game. They had no business staying in it. They were outclassed on every level of the field. TJ Reid kept a minute on his own, and ultimately, other, other than a, a referee not looking at his watch, Kilkenny could have got a draw out of that game. But we said at the time, look. What Brian Cody's done to keep this team relevant is fantastic because other than four or five top players, they don't have the lads coming through of that quality. And if you look at that Limerick team versus the Kilkenny team, I'd probably have 10 Limerick lads on it. If you look at the Cork team, as you said, that's probably a little bit more even. You look at Galway, I'd have more Galway players. And Tip, I'm probably going... It's probably close to 10 again, right? But it doesn't seem to make any difference. Yeah. It just doesn't like. Although Kilkenny aren't valuable either. Like, let's not forget they've lost two championship games this year, and drawn one. And drawn one. Like you know, it's it's a it's a recent. Their their form is two games old. You know, it's since they 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 did a number on Cork. We didn't really see that coming, and then we had a bad feeling about them. I suppose going into the Limerick <laughs> match, but they did it again. You know, and they have been brilliant in those two games, but you know. I still do question whether they have the hurdles that other counties do at the moment, you know? And that's just a natural thing that comes out, you know, in, in eras. But the fact that they're here and are any of us going to pick against them in the All-Ireland Final? I don't know. And do you know what's most interesting is you mentioned that the Gal- the Galway game is a really... It's, it's, it's something fascinating about what Cody's done this year. Like, if, if we're going to... If we're going to write a book about Brian Cody's season this year, that's going to be our first chapter. Because if you look at the team that played that day and the team that is going to play the All-Ireland Final, there's changes in literally every single line. Yeah. So you've got Bad Brennan was in goals. Murphy will probably come back in there. That was the game where Tommy Walsh actually looked like he was becoming like a, a leader in defence. We don't think he's going to play. No, um, he hasn't been seen. Uh, well. 
Paddy Deegan played at the wing. He'll probably be on the bench. Their midfield that day was... Now, Al- Paddy Deegan will play. So you think it'll be... We'll pick the team after this. Yeah. We'll come, we'll come to this afterwards. Um, Alan Murphy and Richie Lahey played midfield that day. So uh, that's definitely not going to happen again. No. In their next line, Billy Ryan played centre forward. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Bill Sheehan played in the corner and Ger Aylward played in the other corner. So the team, the team that I was thinking was going to play this weekend, Mick, was I think it'll be Murphy, Lawler and Holden. Murphy and Holden there, right? The next line out, Park Walsh by centre and try and drop off the way that he, he generally does. So it's, it's like, it's not a sweeper, but it is a kind of sweeper. Then it's, well, it is a sweeper. <laughs> it's not, well, no, it's they not. don't call it a sweeper and they don't call it tactics, so therefore they're neither. Okay. Okay. Vogel <laughs> okay. um, will definitely play. Brown will definitely play. So you got one spot. Well, will Buckley play? Killian Buckley. So I thought that the wing backs would be Buckley and. Uh, Paddy. And Deegan with, with uh, Fogarty and. Brown midfield. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Actually, and yeah, you are right. <laughs> yeah, and then and then a half forward line of um, Mullen, Hogan. Oh no, Mullen, uh, Walter Walsh, and TJ with Hogan, uh, Fenley. And well, yeah, Walter will be named. Yeah, Walter yeah. will Walter will be named at uh, 50, fifteen. Yeah, he wear fifteen, but he'll come out for the way he he has done. And John Donnelly and Adrian Mullen will be named as their uh, half forwards, but will burst back the way they do. And TJ will potentially go ever. I actually think he might push forward up towards Colin Fenley and he'll play inside and then that leaves you with Richie Hogan who we think is going to start as well yeah so the interesting thing to me with it's like what you were talking about the changes right for me it's a very interesting thing that Cody's done in that Killian Buckley's not in the team at the start of the year uh, Joey Holden's not in the team at the start of the year uh, Paul Murphy was in it I don't know he, I, it was almost last year Paul Murphy was kind of fighting for his place um, you're looking Richie Hogan wasn't there yeah. Walter Walsh has been in and out and um, who else am I talking about there's one more there that's escaping my Jerry uh, would played in that Galway game yeah um, but yeah. I'm just thinking about guys who've come into the team oh as well. sorry so maybe, yeah. that, maybe that's it now that, that, but that's a, that's a good chunk of players they're all the experienced players they're all the lads of won all Ireland's and the sense is, if you looked at two teams at the start of the year and you said, here's the young team, all the old lads are kind of being left out except for one or two, and they've gone back to type, as it, you'd feel like that they were clawing through the championship. You'd feel like, oh, they're just, they're going back to what they know because, you know, out of desperation. But for somehow it doesn't feel like that to me. Somehow it feels like to me that Cody was willing to say, I need to look to the future, I need to develop some hurdles, I'm willing to sacrifice those are okay maybe yeah. it's the Leinster Championship maybe you know or even if it's this season it's this season so like the way he's used Richie Hogan to me would be the way I would describe this because he came on or did he start he pl- he came on and changed the game in one of the games I can't remember exactly was, which he one he came on for Adrian Mullen against God we talked about this a lot Again, so, and then and then in the next match he was brought on as they were lo- as they were drawing the game against Wexford with about ten seconds yeah, late, to go, yeah. like as the, as the last sub deep into injury time. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me because he's too good a player that if he's not injured, that at least if you've decided he's an impact sub now, you make him as the actual impact yeah. sub. So it just it's just all peculiar to me that these guys, Joey Holden, has come in and played absolutely brilliant hurling. Maybe Cody knew that that was just that was available to him at all times, you know, and he wants to test out these guys. He wants to make sure he wants to see if Bill Sheehan or Billy Ryan 
or Adrian Mullen are up to it. And then as as the season turns out, we've got this we've got this kid, we've got this star Mullen, right? He's in there, he's in there for real now. And but we're only seeing the real team since the All Ireland quarterfinal. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Now I'm not. I I. It would. It sounds very risky. It sounds like you're treating the Leinster Championship like the league, and I don't think anybody's ever done that before, <laughs> even in the current format. But there's a chance that Cody has done that <laughs> yeah. because let's face it, we've seen Hogan has been playing since 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 that's happened. Walter Walsh is going to be playing at the weekend. He played in the semi final. Joey Holden's come back into the team, and we're seeing Killian Buckley get more and more hurling, and we know how good he is. If he gets kind of those games under his belt, he probably has them now coming into the coming into the final. You know. So the subs he brought on that day against Galway, it's funny you say that, was Richie Hogan, Joy Holden, and John Donnelly. And suddenly the three of them are back in the team now. I'm on board your theory, mate. <laughs> right, uh, Gary, I'm going to pass the reins over to you. Right, this is the, we're down to the business end of things now, lads. We'll have to do a pick because I, I do feel like we should just put our nails to the mask because I genuinely don't know and I don't want to kind of, I don't want to be coming in with an I told you so on Monday. Okay. Okay, but we'll do that in a while. Okay, we'll go with handicap. Handicap first. first, yeah. Right, so who's up first? Is it Mick? Uh, Morris can have a go for sure. I yeah, I, I well, I'm very delighted. I think to go. I think this is uh, as I said to Gary just before we walked in the door. I think this is nailed on to Bury minus one. I don't think there's. I said this about Kerry last week. I think this is. I think it's nailed on <laughs> by his reaction. I think he's right, but I will say just in case it isn't, I'll go Kenny minus one. It is Tipperary minus one. I, 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 the second, you were never sure as anything. Yeah. Yeah. The, the second, like the, re, the re, mix spelled out actually perfectly there. Kenny have lost two games and drawn a game this year. Tipperary have lost one. So I, I think those odds are actually fair as well. Yeah, Tipperary, yeah. like, I think the Munster final can leave a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth because it was a Munster final and they didn't turn up and it wasn't it wasn't as if they were looking to the next day. That was a poor, poor performance that something went wrong. Yeah. System malfunction and Limerick bet them off the park. But it's easy to overlook then that they've been brilliant in every other game. Maybe they weren't brilliant against Leash. Maybe they weren't brilliant the first dead rubber game against Limerick. But in any game that mattered, really mattered and that they had to go out and have a performance, they've done it in every game. Just before we move off this really briefly, we talked about Cody learning from 2010 to 2011. Does, is there anything that he can take from that Limerick game and the way that they played into this game? So the like the Munster final or the, the Munster fi- the Munster final, the, particularly the Munster final, because that was like Tiberi never ever got a handle on what was happening there. So the, uh, Kyle Hayes was had the freedom of the park basically because they were trying to lock, no, like this thing about not following them up past 45 was locked in and it's it plays into their hands because eventually you have people in no man's land where Galan is on the inside um, Gerd McCahey McCahey was like roaming way out same thing with Kyle Hayes like they get so much freedom when they uh, kind of drift yeah. out the pitch like or Hegarty was it? it it was Hegarty yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, exactly it was Hegarty yeah. and we know as well that Tipper, like I don't know if McCormack will do it, but does does Bob, does John O'Dwyer drift back yeah, in I to try and tag? Yeah, I think will though as well. You know, so I think that's. Um, I think what I think what they could take is that I think Tip will adjust to those, and I think they have since. You know, and I think they'll they'll realize what happened to them in that game. What I think the best thing to, I think Kilkenny getting a good start would be massive because I think Tip chasing a game can be a little bit dangerous you know I think that's what the Munster final might have showed us because it absolutely did get away from them and Tip Limerick were able to really kind of like destroy them on the uh, on the counter you know counter is a weird word when you talk about <laughs> hurling but 
Eight to one is the draw. Do you think there's value? Eight to one. We haven't oh, had a draw since 2014. There's never two teams to do it though. Yeah, we had three draws in a row from 12, 13, and 14. Haven't had that one since 1959. I think before <laughs> that. So we could be waiting 50 years, or we could, it could just be the done thing now. Is that? Yeah. I, do you know what? I I think we need another hurling weekend this year. What? <laughs> what it hasn't been enough. Like you know, we had a, we had them all at the start. We want one extra one. We've had, we've yeah. had like we had the semi-finals over the same week. It feels like we've had a hundred football matches since then. Now we're fall. Everyone's only starting to talk about the hurling final on Thursday. I think we need to. I think the hurling should finish the year this year. Draw eight to one. Mix back. Nail it on. Okay. So. Obviously, there's only one handicap this week. I've actually got to pick the draw. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided. So there's only one handicap this week. So for the rest of... It would be a bit of a boring end to the podcast if we just left it at that. So I decided to fill it out with an All-Ireland Hurling final quiz. So okay. there's five more questions, okay? And if you buzz in with the right answer? No, oh, we'll, no go, we'll, go in, we'll go and turn. And if they get it wrong, we'll pass it over. Okay. And well, there's one question that's a two-pointer as well because we'll have to give Mick first go at a two-pointer. And you can have a guess well close. Oh, so you're close. up too. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. So Mick, this is one you definitely should get, and I think this is the easiest question in it as well. And uh, considering the work you've been doing this week, so whose last minute effort was ruled out by Hawkeye in the drawn game in 2014? John Bubbles O'Dwyer. There you go. The commentary on that Mick played in the office this morning is absolutely <laughs> magic. <laughs> like the the. You know what's the best thing, what I enjoy most, and this isn't just for commentary, like this goes for uh, any audio podcast even, when they haven't a clue what is going on. Like they're like, it's over, no, it's not. <laughs> There's actually, there was actually a good few moments of Jerk Hanning not having a clue what was going on in my, and again, none of them his fault. I'm actually not criticizing or even slagging Jer, but there was, that, that audio of the bubbles point was brilliant, but there was actually two or three moments that he just generally didn't know. Things happened just way too fast. It was the save that PJ Ryan made from um, Cal in the 2009 final I don't even remember it but it was like possibly one of the best saves I've ever seen a rocket from Callanan from about 14 yards and Ryan put up his hurley right into the top corner went out for a 65 and Jer hadn't a clue what happened he goes it's a guy he's missed it he's missed it what? And, and he's like he couldn't figure <laughs> out and, and Dignan had to go and go I think it was the best save I've ever seen Jer <laughs> <laughs> okay so we'll go question two Morris you can go up for this one how many non-Leinster referees have refed a final this decade? <laughs> oh. Oh, that's a great question. Tough one, though. So, so how many finals have there been ref by a non-Leinster this, referee? This decade. In this so decade. We've had nine in- finals. Including 2019. Oh, yeah, okay. We've had ten finals. You include 2019? I'm including 2019. Okay, so James Owens is this year. Um... I, I'm going to say I can't remember who refereed the draw Kenny Tipperary the draw in the the draw was Brian Gavin but did he do the replay no hints for me Morris yeah he always do it <laughs> oh, I'm going to guess I'm going to say two the draw was Barry Kelly because he didn't give any injury time uh I think zero. The answer is two. Oh, Morris. The answer wow. is two. Who was it? Uh, Tipperary Michael reference. Wad- Michael Wadding in, from Waterford in 2010. 
and Fergal Morgan from Tip. Fergal yeah. Morgan. Yeah. I knew there was a Tip referee in there. Uh, that was the, yeah. that was the like, him chatting to Joe the Galway game in 2017. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember Michael Wadding. I lads. I, <laughs> Having a clue, like that was so, an app. Yeah, I, no, Fergal Morgan, could, though. Yeah, so good guess. So uh, that's that's three two to Morris now, is it? Three one. I got two points for my bubble. No, you, no you're two points. Oh, okay. Two points. Oh, there's a two pointer to come. So every other I final. Was <laughs> <two> <laughs> <laughs> two pointer, two pointer. Last question. So yeah, we had James McGrath, obviously Barry Kelly from Westmead. They refereed four between them. Brian Gavin refereed four, and uh, this is his third James. Oh, yeah. from Wexford so they're the other ones in that's the a disgrace game. lads that's the speaking of referee biases uh, we should have we're I, all our Connacht referees I, I heard that we needed neutral uh, province referees <laughs> is the last thing <laughs> is what I've been hearing from Kerry this week I don't seem to have a problem with it in the hurler right Mick yeah. chance here so you're up first so including the replays how many times has a team been held goalless in all Ireland that's a brilliant this question this decade yeah that is a brilliant question <sighs> okay so uh, can I have a second to think about it? You can have a second. <laughs> oh, Morris, God, there's Morris. loads of matches, though, because there's replays all over the place. Morris right? had a second, so we'll give you a second. Yeah, okay, so there was the, not nothing in 20... Uh, oh, for the love of God, I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to just put a guess. I'll be here all day, otherwise I'm trying <laughs> to go through each of ones. I'd say four. No, I'd say five. Okay. That includes replays, does it? Includes replays. Right. Uh, that's that's 13 match. That's... 12 matches you're wrong so Morris oh, has a chance to right, steal okay. oh, he needs to get it exactly for the point I need to get it exa- what, sorry what was your final I answer five. 5 is his final answer yeah Waterford didn't so, go. Galway <laughs> didn't score a goal against Waterford oh there's two. Oh yeah Clare am I right there no Clare did I'm saying nothing <laughs> I'm going to say 3 the answer is 3 I don't believe this the I'm getting is 3 it was Galway in 2017, Clare yeah. in the draw game in 2013. Oh, okay. oh that was one right, yeah. And Kilkenny in the draw game in 2012. Oh, Waterford did score against Galway, did they? Yeah. Did, uh, yeah, Moran scored a goal. Yeah. So that's another point from Morris. It's 4-1. Wait, sorry, what was the third one there, out of curiosity? Uh, so Galway 2017, Clare, Clare in the draw game in 2013, Kilkenny in the okay, draw yeah, game in yeah. 2012. God, that's, a, that's out of 24 teams. Tw- like 24 performances. There's only been three without a goal. Yeah. Just uh, if people weren't listening to our build-up podcast that we put up yesterday, Morris had four or more goals uh, <laughs> as his, one of his picks. I'm feeling even better about it now. <laughs> so, Morris, you're up and... I'm chance. already beaten. No, here, you're not I? beaten yet. Yes, if you, you, need, you need three points from the last two questions, but this last one's a two-pointer. But Morris's first guess here. Who is the last player to be named man of the match and be on the losing team in the All-Ireland Hurling oh, final? Oh, man. So, how long ago? <laughs> don't know. You can't. Don't, don't, hold on. You've only got ten years to answer it. You can't be picking it. It's since 2010. Don't be giving him any. It's not since 2010. Oh, sorry. Okay. It's not since 2010. It's not. It was before 2010, but that's all you're getting. It was before 2010. Oh God! So thank God I was going to guess that Joe Cannon got it last year. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Declan Hannah, wasn't it? I don't know. I was at the match. So I never Hayes, know who's man the match. Oh, was oh, Kyle it was Hayes, quite yeah. Hayes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd, lads, I'd, <laughs> I don't know. Let's. I, I'm going to say. I'm going to say. 
I'd say I actually don't know. Okay. Uh, you just wanna, you're going to pass. No, no. I, 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 I guess I'm twenty. Twenty. I'll, I'll you say you mean the man, now the player, not the year. So. I'd say it was somebody from Cork in twenty thousand six. I don't know, lads. I, I I'm not. I, right. I, you're, I you, no. You're 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 go, you're a good bit off. It's actually a long time, a, a good while. Oh, I'm going to give make a bit more extra of a bonus for me. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the decade. Okay. I'll give you the decade. It was the nineties. The nineties. Okay, I will say that it was. Oh, I know who it is. I did a. I, I wrote a piece about it. It's um the guy from Galway in ninety three, the wing back. Um, oh, I'm not going to remember his name. It's Porrick something. <laughs> Porrick um, Kelly. Yes, yes. Porrick <laughs> Kelly in nineteen ninety three. Exactly. Wow, that was impressive. Yeah, that was first. very impressive. Yeah. And that sets us up very nicely going into the last question. Mick, you need... So there's two points on offer. Did, did Kieran Kerry get it? Obviously not. If the, Kieran Kerry didn't get it against Wexford, did he? No, Martin Story, I'm pretty okay. sure, won that, yeah. So we're going Oh, no, Liam Dunn. Liam Dunn, that was... Uh, yeah, we had that in our uh, PwC <laughs> All-Stars <laughs> quiz <laughs> last week, yeah. Mick, it's 4-2 to Morris. This is the last question, but it's a two-pointer, and you first guess. You So if you get it spot on... You get two points, and otherwise closest gets a point. Okay, Jesus. This sounds, this sounds harder than Tipperary minus one, but anyway. How many points has Joe Canning scored from play in every all Ireland fi- in all his all Ireland final appearances combined? <laughs> we, need, we need some <laughs> countdown music. <laughs> yeah, give us 30 seconds. Do a countdown okay. music, okay? I'll just fill the dead air here. So All from play. Just from play, so we're talking two games in 2012, 2015, 2017, and 2018. There's five games. Not including the goal, obviously that wasn't from play. The goal wasn't from play, so they're all points, there's no goals from play. Uh, This doesn't make for great podcast, but yeah, the two lads, the two lads, no, I'm no, gonna have a guess. No, the two lads, take your time. The two lads here are uh, the look of uh, wonderment on their faces. I'm gonna to say, hold. I've I've added it up each one with a guess for each one, and I'm gonna take one off, <laughs> and I'm gonna say eight. Okay, so you're saying so you're saying eight. Yeah, I'll say I'll I'll go if it is the closest. Closest, yeah. Closest gets two points. Or you can, if you can get. Okay, I was, I'm going to play it safe and go higher and say nine. Okay, so he got two points. He got one point in the first game in 2012. Okay. He got two points in the second game in 2012. Okay, so I had four for 2012, so it was only three. He got three points oh. in 2015. I thought he got none. <laughs> I think it was the second half he didn't score in, wasn't he, it? He got two points in 2017 and he got four points last no. year. So 12 points in total. God, so Morris four takes Four from play last year. Well, God, so he had some game last year. Morris takes it five to two in the end. Well, congratulations, Morris. You beat me easy. You didn't know any of the answers. <laughs> but <laughs> you somehow guessed them all right. Um... Lads, we'll hear from Conor McDonald and we'll come back to you with our predictions for the final. The impression again, we get old with what you put in. It's like a walk alive. If you're good enough, go and get it, no more about it. Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound's worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pound's worth of goods. Can you? Come here, will you... Um, I was chatting to Joe Canning during the week there and he told me he's not go- he didn't watch the, the semi-finals uh, after, after Galway were out. He just can't watch it. Will you watch the, the final this weekend? I'll find it very difficult now, to be honest. Um... One of my best friends is a tip man. I've been to two up two tip all Ireland's with him. Um, I was there in sixteen with him, and 
if he's on about this time, we'll make, you know, go to the third one. And it's, uh, I'm just finding it incredibly difficult to even think about going to Dublin, never mind a match. Um, I don't know. I think probably previous years, we would have thought that, you know, it's fine, but we would have went to a final thinking we were beating a quarter final, like, were we good enough to be there? Um, we're probably a lot further, you know, often we, we are now. So, look, it'll be difficult. I don't, I still haven't made up my mind, to be honest, but, uh, you know, I don't know. If he twists my arm, I might go, but <laughs> I wouldn't be too pushing it, to be honest. And is that hurt kind of what, what should have been nearly or is it more so just the, an opportunity missed? Um, I suppose a bit of both really. You, you know, I don't know, I don't know even know what way, like, I'd say it's the first All-Ireland final that I couldn't, like if I didn't watch it, I didn't, if I didn't know how to win her, I don't want any winner. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd say it's the first one ever that I, you know, it just doesn't it doesn't appeal to me watching any of the teams win, to be honest. And I know that might sound a bit selfish, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> no, that's perfectly understandable. Um, I'm not going to ask you about the, the, the game itself, or I, I'm sure you saw all the kind of the nonsense about whether or not the tactic stuff and the way the Sunday game went after that. But like when you hear yeah. the when you hear the the kind of stuff that's come out, even this week, for example, right? You've heard you people are saying this won't be a, a tactical battle. This will just be like that was a, a prominent pundit said that this week that it'll just be man to man. Like as an active player, you must just roll your eyes that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, like, if you're if you're, I think people are very naive to think that. Tipperary won't go in with a tactical plan you know to try and maximise you know their play and likewise I don't think Kilkenny are stupid enough in fact I know they're not um, to just go in and just do what people always say they do and just hurl and win your own ball and all that stuff like all teams have come an awful long way to, to play in that traditional hurling that everyone talks about of just you know lumping the ball down the field you know, I think you're talking about Joe Canning there before, but he was saying about people are literally legends of Ireland for lumping a ball down the field. Whereas, what you see on, on Sunday, there'll be shorts, lads playing the ball short, running with the ball, tapping the ball over lads' heads into another player into space. Like, if that's not tactical, I don't know, I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, there's no such thing as, as no tactics, or, you know, it won't be a tactical battle. Of course, it will be. You know, everybody's talking about matchups all week. Is that not tactical? <laughs> you know, you know everyone's like, who's going to march name Scanlon or who's going to do this, that, and the other. You know, is that not a tactic in itself? You know, that kind of way is like uh, obviously if you're if you're picking a man marker for certain forwards or midfielders or who's going to pick up Norm McGrath or you know what's going to happen to TJ Reid? Who's or is someone going to man mark him? Like if you don't if you do that and then you don't have a tactic then everybody else then are we just going to look at a couple of lads man mark and, and everyone else just stand there looking at it? I don't think so you know yeah and it's, it's funny you mentioned what, what Joe said actually because the thing that strikes out to me mostly actually is when when Joe spoke to me that time he was talking about uh, I think he watched the game from 2009 and it was a halfback lumping a ball and he wasn't like the what has changed from then to now to me anyway seems that people are way more thoughtful with their use of possession so you get like you get centre backs who all of a sudden aren't necessarily sweepers they're actually you know using an attacking sense they're, they're there to instigate yeah. something that's a kind of short quick pass and you can even if you watch Kilkenny and, and Limerick back as well the amount of times that their cornerbacks or halfbacks were playing short passes like it, it, the, the days of lump it up long are gone and like they're not doing that of their own accord like that's clearly in, in itself that's a tactic 
Yeah, well, sure, even, like, yeah, exactly. It, it is a tactic, and playing a ball short to a fella who's maybe 20 yards instead of lumping a ball 50 yards or, or 80 yards, the percentage of, of regaining possession or keeping possession are obviously way higher. If you're able to work the, work, work the ball up the field, constantly getting, what, maybe 70% chance of the ball sticking, then you, you, you know, Presenters are just going to tell you that you that's the best thing to do. Obviously, if you see a one-on-one inside, or you know, there's going to be a time where you think, right, the percentage ball there is throw it in on the square, or you know, if you see a lad who's particularly good in the air, or particularly good inside, or with a load of space on the outside, of him, you're going to think, right, well, I know he's going to get out that ball. So, yeah, like I say, that's tactic in itself. There's nobody just going to win and say, well, I'm going to lump everything and then I'm going to get the ball short. You know. It's it's a constant mix, and if you're able to keep the percentage percentage of the possession, um, you're gonna have a good chance to win the game. You're gonna have more opportunities to score, and I think that's the way the game has gone. To be honest, yeah, um, I know you probably you mentioned there that how how hurt you've been after the year, and I suppose like I know it's no it's definitely no consolation. But is there any solace in the the year you had yourself, like the the fact that your form was so good? Um. I'd say it was probably the first year where I, I didn't, I didn't, I think a lot of the players in the panel were the same. I didn't, um, I didn't think it was my own performance. I thought if I worked hard and done my job, then my performance would be good enough. And scores and all that kind of didn't come into an equation. Obviously, if you get them all well and good, but you're only getting them for the end goal. Um, there's been previous years where you go by and you're thinking if you're not scoring, you're not getting a couple of scores every day, you're not getting a goal or or two every couple of games and, you know, are you going well? But I'd say it's the first year where I've kind of sat down and thought, right, if I don't work out for the team, and I've, I've been told by players in, in my own dressing room at the start of the year that if I don't work hard, then what good is it? Um, so, probably hit home that year, or this year, um, that if, if you're not working out for the team, if you're not doing your job for the team, then, then form is is irrelevant, really. You know. Yeah. Um. But like as a whole, obviously getting a couple of scores, getting a few goals here and there. Um. You know, having good games, doing your job that you're in is obviously is obviously you know a plus, and it's it's, it's good to it's good to have that as well. Back once again it comes here to the number two. Back once again to Connor Loftus. Back once again to one person to another. But back once again. Back once again there to Brian Stack. One back once again here. Once again to Philly McMahon this time. There's a chance for Mayo now just to build it from the back once again. Back once again towards Back once again. Back once again. Back once again. Brilliant stuff there from Conor McDonald. Um, just going back to what you said earlier, Mick. Like I know he said it's kind of selfish that he didn't doesn't want anybody to win this game. As I said to him at the time, I think that's perfectly understandable. Like I, th- I think that that's and that's not just players putting out there. I think that's the reality of how you feel. Yeah, it's it's what happens when you're a sportsman, isn't it? And like you've given everything you can, and you feel like it was your year, and you feel like you were there. And I think nobody 
outside of Wexford will have believed as much as they will have believed in themselves, you know. So it's very hard to just suddenly kind of go, all right, somebody else's year, let's look at the Kilkenny tip game and may the best team win, you know. Like there's just bound to be just that little bit of sadness and sourness, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's human there, nature. You know? like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. I, if I was from Wexford and I heard him kind of like, you know, espousing the the, uh, the the greatness of both teams, I'd be disappointed, you know? I want them hurting all winter and then coming back for the league flying in January, you know? Right, Les, before we go, it's prediction time. Mm. So, Gary, I'm going to let you go first here. Yeah, I think just with the last two games, I think they've played... I think everything's just set up now for Kenny to go and win it. It's just the way the year has gone that everyone's written them off, written them yeah. off. They're going to be gone. And now they're in all final, are in final after playing two Stormers in the quarters and semis. So I'm going to go with Kenny. Bye. Kenny by two. Nice. Mick? I'm going for a draw. You're going for a draw? <laughs> yeah. They'll cut us a mess, right? Yeah, I think it'll be a draw. Okay. Um, what's the number one rule of GA Podcast Club? Don't write off Brian Cody. So I'm going to Kenny. number two rule? Don't write off. Drop. <laughs> 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 I'll take you Kenny by, I'll say by one. Wow. Lads, enjoy the final. Um, I hope you're as excited as we are after that. I'm hyped after that. Oh, can't wait now. Can't wait. We've done the build up. We've done it. We've done it justice. Can I just say that next week we're actually going to be, we will have podcast up on Sunday evening. We're going to go straight after the match with all the emotion and passion of it. And uh, I know you're not going to be here, Morris. You're, off on a, a week's holidays. Good luck to you. Well deserved. Uh, well deserved, yeah. Um, but myself and Mark and, and, and PJ will be here looking kind of at, just reacting to the final and we'll give you an extra day to kind of uh, to listen to the podcast and listen to our reactions. So keep an eye out for that. That'll be up on Sunday. Uh, I'll be, we'll be back again the following. We won't have a Friday. This is our second last ever Friday podcast. Can you get over it? The year is, yeah. the, the year will be gone before you know it. No. Lads, take Sad, it easy. <laughs> 